Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. There's, a, there's been a piece of advice, a phrase, a philosophy that I found really helpful for navigating these complex and uncertain times. Uh, and, you know, it's just one of those things that I've had in the back of my mind, kind of a way of thinking that has been helpful for me as I've been making decisions and uh, navigating. Uh, and I was recently quite disappointed uh, to discover that this phrase that I've been leaning on uh, is not the wise words of some uh, great philosopher, uh, a church figure, or an inspirational leader. Uh, but they are, in fact, I learned, in fact, this week as I was preparing this sermon, uh, they are the words from a song from Frozen 2. Uh, and they're this, uh, do the next right thing. Uh, and despite the fact that they're from Frozen 2, uh, I still think that is really good advice. I've been finding that really helpful. You know, when you're not sure what to do, where you should aim for, what direction you should head uh, on the horizon, just make sure that the next step that you take is the right one as best as you can. But you see, the problem is it's not always that easy, is it, to know what the next right step is. You know, it turns out we need more than just an instruction to take a step. We need a compass to guide us on the way. And in 1 Peter, in the book that we're thinking about this month and the passage that we just read, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that Peter is calling the churches that he is writing to, to a life of doing the next right thing, of taking that next right step. He's teaching them how to be the church together while keeping, we might say, the main thing, the main thing. But luckily, he doesn't just stop with a pithy phrase. He has more than just the instruction to do the next right thing. Now, in these verses that we just heard read, he gives us that compass to guide our steps, to help us know which way we should go. And so, in a world full of decisions to make and then to live out, when the path is not always clear to us. Isn't that the case at the moment? In a world like the one that we find ourselves in, he tells us what that next right thing to do is. He tells us what the thing that we should be caring about above all else. And his answer for what that is, is quite simple. He says that we are to love. Love one another. And then he goes on to describe what that love should look like. And so in our time together this morning, I'd like to spend our focus and attention thinking on love as the next right thing for us to do. And so let's jump into the passage. If you've got a Bible, you might find it helpful to have it open in front of you. We're going to start in verse 8, where Peter says this, Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. 
The word that uh, Peter uses for love is agape. And agape love is the sort of love that God has for us and which he calls us to have for him and to have for one another. Agape love is love that seeks the well-being of others above your own, that loves without expecting anything in return and loves even and especially our enemies. It's a self-giving, sacrificial, Christ-like love. It's the love of Romans 5 verse 8 which says this, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's love that the Bible says that we're able to show one another because as the Apostle John says, God first loved us. It's love that we receive and then love that we give. And it's a love that does something. As Peter says in verse 8, it turns the pain of sin into the possibility of relationship. Perhaps most importantly, it's love which is a choice to act, not just a feeling. And Peter says that it's this, this agape love to which we are called above all else as we seek to do the next right thing, as we seek to be the church and all that God has called us to be. It's love. Love is what we're about. And, and Peter goes on to unpack what that love lo- looks like further in the next two verses. It's love that Peter first says in verse 9 expresses itself in hospitality. Love worked out through our homes uh, with the sharing of food and drink in the provision of a place to feel welcomed and at home, in the invitation to become a real part of a family that extends beyond genetics to those who find themselves where we live. But I don't want to stop there. As much as there is that's good to say about hospitality, I want to spend most of our time, the rest of our time together, in fact, this morning, in Peter's second expansion of what this call to love one another looks like. Uh, And it's what we see in verse 10, which is going to come up on the screen in just a moment. And it's the call on the church to serve. Verse 10 says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And you know, that is one of those verses that I think is rich, that is full, that is bursting at the seams, full uh, of richness, of meaning, of things for us to grapple with in just those few short words. And so I want to spend, as I said, the rest of our time digging deep uh, into what Peter is saying to us in just this verse. So we're going to go through it bit by bit. And firstly, Peter tells us that each of us has gifts. Most of you will know, uh, if you've uh, been around Greyfriars for any length of time, uh, that we are absolutely surrounded in this church by people uh, who are exceptionally gifted. 
people uh, on our tech team behind the scenes right now making this all work, our musicians. Uh, we have leaders and organizers, administrators and planners. You can hardly move in this church for people who are incredibly gifted. And sometimes it can be quite intimidating in a context like this, can't it? You know, being surrounded by people as gifted as those that we're lucky enough to have at Greyfriars, it can be easy to think that we possibly, you know, how could we have a part to play? You know, how could they need us? Where could we fit in? But, you know, that way of thinking is not the thinking we see on display in the New Testament. Because as Peter says, each of you has gifts, gifts to offer for the church. Each of you has something to give that is for the building up of our community, for the growth of our common life together. Each of you has gifts that God has given you for the church. In fact, let me be as clear as possible. If you're listening to me right now and you believe and trust in Jesus Christ and are a part of his church, then you are gifted for the sake of the church. I don't need to know who's listening. If that is true of you, then you are gifted. And to think in this way is absolutely nothing to do with arrogance or pride or big-headedness or self-importance. Because as Peter goes on to say, these are gifts that you have received. I'm, uh, I'm generally a fairly forgetful person. And, and one of the ways in which I'm quite forgetful uh, is in taking the price tag uh, off of birthday cards and gifts that I buy for people. And it's always quite embarrassing that moment when you see someone open the card or the present and you just see stuck still on the bottom uh, the price tag that you really should have taken off. You know, part of the reason that's embarrassing and part of the reason that we, we take price tags off of things that we buy for people is because we don't expect people to pay for the gifts that we've given them. We don't want people to have any sense of keeping track of what they owe us, as if they owed us anything for the gifts that we give them. You know, when I buy my wife, Steph, a birthday present, I don't expect to keep hold of the receipt and give it to her a few days later as an invoice. That's not how gifts work. Gifts are gifts when they're given freely. And you know, it's the same with the gifts that God gives to us. He doesn't expect us to repay him, which is perhaps the other side of the coin, another way of saying that, that, that he doesn't expect us to give him anything in the first place in order for us to receive them. There's nothing we need to do in order to get these gifts or to keep these gifts that God gives us. They are what they are. They are what they say on the tin. They are gifts. And so saying that you are gifted, that you have gifts for the church, is not arrogance. It is trusting in the love and grace of your heavenly Father, who we believe gives good gifts to his children. If I can put it like this, it is, it is really very little to do with you. It's nothing 
to be proud of or boastful about or to hold over anyone else. Rather, recognizing our gift is about recognizing the kindness and mercy and love of God to us and to those around us. Peter goes on to say that there are a variety of gifts God gives. He speaks of whatever gift you have received. You know, I think to our own detriment, to our own shame, there are some gifts that in church seem to end up being more visible uh, or more prominent uh, than others. But the way that the Bible talks about gifts shows that there is a huge spectrum of different gifts that fit in different places and work themselves out in different ways and that we need all of them. Elsewhere in the Bible, uh, the writers of the New Testament talk about the church being a body, needing each part, no one more important than the other, but all working together for health. And so the Bible speaks of gifts of administration and mercy, of faith and prophecy, of wisdom and generosity. Uh, And this list and and any of the lists that you'll find in the New Testament, and there are multiple lists of the gifts that God gives, are not meant to be exhaustive. It doesn't say everything that God might give to his people for his church. It seems that God's capacity to give is practically endless when it comes to the variety and the beauty and the magnitude of what he gives Our God, as the Bible says time and time again, is abundant in his gift giving, in his graciousness. And so that means that practically there is no way that I can sit here with you this morning and list everything that God is doing in our church through the gifts of his people and that he might be calling you to in the gifts that he has given you. Every way that God might be calling you to love through service. You know, maybe God has given you the gift of generosity with the ability to give from your own personal resources. And maybe he's given you money or he's given you time that are not just for you, but are for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe God has given you the gift of service, the heart and the skill to bless the church through your technical ability or your logistical know-how, your heart for community, your love for the students in Reading, your care for our children and young people. Maybe you can teach, maybe you can pray, maybe you can paint, maybe you can be with someone who is lonely, maybe you can deliver a meal, maybe you can operate a camera. The list is endless. God might have done all sorts of things in you, gifted you in exceptional and wonderful ways for the sake of his church. I don't know what it will look like for you, but God has given each of us a a, a range, a variety of gifts. And the variety of those gifts is staggering. And so what has God given you. He has given you something. He's gracious. He's kind. That's what he does. What has God given you? 
can I encourage you this week to think seriously about what it might be? Because that is how we will do the next right thing. That's how we will love well in this season, by taking hold of that gift and using it. And that's what Peter says next. These gifts are not to be kept to yourself, but they are to be used, to be shared. You know, our lives should be like a river, but all too often the risk is that we make them like a stagnant pond. You see, in a a river, the water flows in and it fills to the banks, but then it flows on down the river to whatever is next. And this process of water flowing in and flowing out is what brings life and vitality and beauty. But it's not like that in a stagnant pond. Because when the water just sits there and goes nowhere and does nothing, life can't flourish in the same way. And soon the environment becomes damaged and dangerous And life gives way to disease. The gifts that God has given you, whatever they are, are not for holding onto. They're not for hoarding. Whether it's time or money or a skill, they're for using, for blessing, for building up the life of the church as each person plays their part, as each person loves. It's only as the gifts that each of us has flows from God through us and onto others in the community of faith that our community can exist and flourish. It's only as we do that that we can flourish. We must use our gifts. And finally, Peter says that we must use our gifts to serve others. Whatever gifts God has given you, and he has given you gifts, please hear me. They're not just for you. He didn't give them to you for you to keep hold of. They're for your neighbor. They're for your brother and sister in the faith. They're for your enemy. They're for God's church. Because it's as we use whatever gifts God has given us to serve one another, as we give them out in love and generosity, the gifts we've received as gifts to others, that we do that next right thing of love. Love which must be, as Peter says, above all. All love, which is our primary task, love, which is the best thing that we do as Christians. It's then, as we give, as we serve, as we love, that God is glorified, not just through our words, but through our lives. It's then that the church comes into being. It's then that we exist as the people we were always made to be. And so do the next right thing. Above all, love one another deeply. That's what it means to live well, to live like Christ, to be a a living stone 
in this building that God is building. And, you know, can I be honest? I think we're in real danger at the moment. You know, I think this time, perhaps particularly uh, of COVID and lockdown that we find ourselves in, puts us at real risk because times are difficult, aren't they? The world is scary and it's so easy if we take our eye off the road for just a minute to to end up just looking inwards on ourselves instead of upwards towards God and outwards towards others. And when it comes to our life together as a church, my fear for myself, if I'm honest, and my fear for perhaps some of you is that we forget that church is not a product that we consume or a service that we receive but a family whose common life we are gifted to contribute towards. This was never meant to just be about getting what you need for the week. This was always about us together, being God's people, loving one another and showing Christ to the world through our love worked out in service. I've said it before, I'll say it again, if we are to be who God has called us to be in this place and time, then we need you. God's put you here for a reason. He's given you the gifts that you have for a reason. We need you. You need me. We need each of us serving with the gifts that God has given us for the blessing of those around us and the blessing of his church. And that's always been true, but it's perhaps particularly true now and in the weeks and months to come. Because take one very specific example. Whenever and however we're able to come back together to gather in our building and worship, it's going to take all of us loving through service, through generosity, through hospitality, through whatever gifts God has given you. It's going to take all of us to make this work, to allow us as the church to be who we are called to be in Reading in 2020. And so can I call you, along with St. Peter, to above all else, love one another deeply? And to work out how, perhaps particularly in this time, you can do that by turning your vision outwards and serving your family in Christ. How has God called you to love? What gifts has he given you to serve with? It's my prayer that God, by his spirit, would stir each one of us to love in this season for the sake of his church and for the world that he loves.